Hello and welcome to People, Places, Power with me, Nick Cull. And me, Simon Anhalt. In this podcast, we talk about issues of international image, foreign policy, and a few other things along the way. And in this uh, season finale, we're going to be talking about the findings in the uh, latest edition of the Anhalt Ipsos Nation Brands Index. And uh, to me, this is always a very exciting thing. I, I find out about it uh, uh, much uh, uh, later than than Simon, who organizes uh, the thing. Uh, but um, uh, so I've only seen these uh, results uh, a couple of days ago. You've had a chance to uh, think about them for a bit. Um, but uh, to me, this is a, a really interesting batch of uh, results. So, uh, when you when you looked at the um, findings this year, Simon, uh, what did you think the big story was? Um, there, there are several big stories. I mean, the biggest one of the lot uh, is the fall in Russia's uh, score, which, of course, we were expecting. Absolutely, um, we were expecting it because, uh, as I've said over and over again over the years, there really is only one. Uh, reliable way of quickly damaging a country's image, and that's by invading another country, or, or at least reaching out and uh, threatening or uh, or, or um, offending another group. And Russia has done that in a very big way, and it's um, suffered a consequently big drop. In fact, an enormous drop, absolutely unprecedented. Um, one of the things that uh, you and I mention very often about uh, country images is the fact that they really do move very slowly. These are very deeply rooted perceptions, which uh, most people are very reluctant to change ever. So in such a circumstance, uh, a country even moving uh, two or three places up or down in the ranking is, um, is, is something worth noting. And we spend days, weeks um, poring over the details. But here we're talking about a drop of 31 places. I mean, that's half the entire ranking. The whole ranking is only yeah. 60 countries. Um, so, this, so they've gone from 27th, correct, to 58th. That's right, yeah. Um, now, Unbelievable. In, in um, the last, last year's um, r- report, I, I mentioned um, l- looking back to 2014 um, when uh, Putin annexed the Crimea and noticing that as a result of that Russia's image fell by three places um, uh, that's a score drop of nearly two percent and I described it at the time as a significant anomaly Um, (laughs) little did I know what was in store Um, Mm -hmm. this time Russia has um, basically vaporized nearly 15 percent of its brand equity Um, which, which is going to have a disastrous effect on its ability um, in the future to, to, to export products and services, uh, to trade with anybody but the closest allies or most desperate customers, and, and inevitably the prestige of its culture and its institutions, and above all, its people. Um, the, the, the real tragedy uh, for, for Russia in, in this um, appalling act of unprovoked aggression is what it will do to the Russian people Um, for for the foreseeable future, having a Russian name or a Russian accent even, certainly a Russian passport, is going to make it really, really difficult 
um, for Russians to travel or to work or to make friends or to study abroad. And just when the world didn't need any more prejudice, um, Vladimir Putin, by invading uh, Ukraine, has minted a whole new heap of national prejudice, which is going to work its way through the global culture um, over the next 10, 20, possibly 30 years. So we're talking about a a problem for Russia on a generational scale. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. I mean, there is a question in my mind about what might happen uh, if at some point in the future um, we get sudden and dramatic regime change as a result of um, Putin's failure to, um, to, to annex, to conquer Ukraine. If that happens right. and we end up with a very, very different government, which is by no means a certainty, there are quite a lot of people at the top of, um, of the Russian leadership who think very similarly to Putin. So I don't think we can safely assume that just if he's deposed, um, everything will suddenly no. change. But let's just pretend no. it does and, uh, and we get a real turnaround and we get, I don't know, Alexei Navalny or somebody uh, taking a consciously multilateralist, internationalist, um, in heavy quotes, liberal turn, um, then maybe there's a chance that um, people will notice that and like it and feel so pleased about it that Russia might just end up very quickly with a better image than it had before Ukraine. Who knows? Um, th- there's some evidence from from uh, past editions of the Good Country, of the Nation Brands Index that public opinion likes a sinner redeemed. So yes. you never quite know what's going to happen. But I think failing that, yeah, we are looking at a generational cancellation of Russia's image. But let, let's flip this round because, you know, the, the horrible thing about the Ukraine war is what happened to Ukraine. Indeed. Has Ukraine received a big sympathy bounce? Do people feel better about Ukraine in the same way that they feel worse about Russia? No, really not, or at least not yet. Um, I think the um, people's awareness of the resilience and the bravery of the Ukrainians is has not yet filtered through, uh, at least not to the extent that we see any big changes in Ukraine's score. Um, it has actually been rising uh, slightly more steeply than the average country since um, since the annexation of the Crimea. So since 2014, We've seen Ukraine, uh, Ukraine's image climbing a little bit more steeply than uh, than other countries. As our regular listeners will know, it's one of the interesting uh, factors of the Nation Brands Index that, on average, everybody likes all countries more from year to year. So the general tendency is upwards for all countries, uh, and Russia, on the whole, has gone up since 2014. But Ukraine has gone up more steeply. And of course, this year with Russia's collapse uh, in, in its scores, they've, they've uh, they swapped over. And now Ukraine has a bigger, better image than Russia does. But that's only because Russia's uh, image has collapsed. Ukraine's really hasn't changed. Well, I, but in a way, the, the, the slow change is is good and tends to last uh you know we've been tracking the south korea story for um many years now and i know they get frustrated that they don't get better and better uh dramatically but um uh you know the, 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 their slow inexorable rise is one of the one of the stories though i think that they, they don't uh, there's no movement for south korea this time round um that's correct isn't it 
That's right. I, the, the the general tendency this year is is downwards. We had um, um, we had a bit of a of a leap right across the board last year, um, and I think um, perhaps that was because people thought the pandemic was coming to an end and things were looking up. Um, this year, yeah. it, uh, we haven't got rid of it. Um, and there have been a lot of other. Uh, Poland looks to be. Uh, Poland was one of the ones that's doing uh, better. Has a higher score. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's related to the Ukraine war, and and especially as you know, the polls were done what in in the early summer, and people at that point were very aware of of the humanitarian stand taken by Poland and real leadership shown by Poland yes. in the early months of the of of the war. So maybe that helped the image of Poland. Yes. You said the polls were done in the summer. I thought you were talking about P-O-L-E-S. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, please. I, I mean, the opinion, uh, the, I should say the opinion research was done in the summer. <laughs> the people of Poland were fine. Yes. Um, yeah. so, so a small handful of countries have bucked the trend this year and have gone, gone up a little way. Ukraine is one. No doubt that's a bit of a sympathy vote. Um, Poland, I think probably yes, because um, their hosting of such a large number of Ukrainian refugees has uh, has increased people's interest and uh, and respect for the country. Um, but on on the whole, uh, on the whole, uh, countries have, have have dipped this year, and of course that must surely. So we need to talk about. Uh... We need to talk about Britain, Simon, because yeah. <laughs> uh, that is also, I mean, it's not a, a decline of Russian proportions, mm. but uh, I think this is the first time Britain's been out of the top five. Yes. Uh, that's correct, isn't it? In, indeed, it so, is. Uh, what, what do you see in the British numbers? Um, I, I, I tend to think of the UK and the US uh, in, a, in a similar bracket here, although the US is now... Um, quite significantly lower uh, than it used to be at eight. Um, I think what we're seeing here is um, uh, what what looks like two countries settling into a decline. Um, I was about to say irreversible. Of course, one could never and should never say that. But it, they do both look as if they're on their way down. And it's difficult to imagine a set of circumstances that could possibly reverse that at this point. The um, the reality of Brexit is beginning to sink in, and whether or not you agree with that particular decision, the simple fact of the matter is that it does make people see Britain as less engaged with the rest of the world. Um, and more importantly, the way that Brexit has been handled uh, makes Britain look uh, bad-tempered um, and, and uncooperative, and that's something that people really don't like. United States obviously recovered a little bit after the trauma of Trump, but Biden has proved to be a disappointment to the international audience in many respects. And going, I suppose a lot of people around the world spent the whole Trump presidency praying for things to go back to the way they were before. And then when they did, they realized that they didn't like it all that much either. Um, so, um, so I think we've, uh, we've got uh, two countries that are starting a long process of falling out of the top 10. Um, and I think it's really it's really worth commenting on the significance of that eighth place um, for the USA. It's been down there now for really quite a few years, and Germany has been in the top spot um, now for quite a few years as well. And that really is a seismic change in the way that the world sees the world. Because ever since I started doing the Nation Brands Index back in 2005, 
right up until a few years ago, the, the USA was always, on average, the world's most admired nation. That seemed to be almost its destined place, most admired country. That's what the US always wanted to be. That's what it pitched itself as. And for a really long time, it worked. And it's just no longer true. Um, could it get back there? Yes, of course it could. It's certainly got the resources. Has it got the leadership? That doesn't seem very likely at the, at the moment. Um, and the but if you think about, I mean, if you think about why Germany is in the number one spot, mm. the things it's admired for are the things that the United States used to be admired for: for governance, for uh, exports, uh, and uh, reliability. And um, the, so, in in a way, the Germans are number one by doing what the Americans used to do. So uh, just doing it uh, where, uh, at a time when the, the United States is not delivering on the quality uh, uh, the quality that it used to deliver. Yeah. Uh, you know, who would admire American governance right now? Right. Uh, uh, but the, the, there is, though, it has to be said, one big difference between, um, between the reason for Germany's high scores and the reason for America's high scores. Um, traditionally, America's high scores have been despite its aggressive foreign policies. Um, yes. Because the culture and because the domestic thing itself, the United States of America, its landscape, its culture, its history, its people, its brands and all the rest of it is so extraordinary and so remarkable that somehow or other kept the ship floating, uh, even though um, the United States has had forever um, an irritating habit of invading other people's countries. Germany is different. It's not such a massive domestic edifice. Um, yes, it produces a lot of highly desirable consumer brands, but nowhere near the number that the US does. And yes, it's got some pretty landscapes, but nowhere near as, as awe-inspiring as the USA. But by contrast, it doesn't do any harm anywhere in the world, or at least not in the way that people really notice. And so I think that I think the, the reason why Germany is on the top spot is this is the classic good country. It's, it's perceived right. to be a country that does a really good job of harmonizing its domestic and international responsibilities. It does the right thing for its own people as far as it can for uh, its migrants um, and without harming and occasionally benefiting people in other countries. That's really not the profile of the USA. No. So what you're talking about is kind of like a Hippocrates rule of foreign policy in the first instance, do no harm mm. uh, as being a, a ground rule for um, international behavior. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, in that respect, Germany is a, is a more um, is a more modern NBI country um, because mm -hmm. it's uh, because it's high position. Um, coming, by the way, from an extremely low base a mere 70 years ago, um, is, is the result of it um, being a principled player in international affairs. Um, America's an old-fashioned top brand. It's there because it's stunning um, and because it awes you with its assets and its achievements um, and its power. If you like, to oversimplify, um, America's a hard power nation and that's why it's had a big brand. Germany's a soft power nation and mm -hmm. it's got a big brand now. And likewise, Japan. Well, I think that, that I agree with that. And I, I also think that the in the US, the fact it has hard power, uh, either of the economy or of uh, the military, undermines its attention to soft power mm. uh, because it's always got a plan B. It doesn't have to 
it, do, it doesn't have to go to the UN. It can just invade, the, as, as was the case with um, the Iraq war. Yes. It, it, it uh, could just go it alone or with the few who wanted to ride along um, in the posse. Mm. Uh, I, I think that, um, that, that, uh, that the emphasis within, the, within Europe on consensus and having to explain yourself uh, is a um, is is an asset and is is paying off in uh, some of these numbers. Yes, I think one of one of the many reasons why we see the U.S. Um, no longer occupying anything like the top spot is precisely because for too long now um, it's been uh, uh, it's been a, a country that feels that it doesn't have to abide by the international rules because it set them um, and because it's exceptionalist and. I think that um, well, the thing is that, that you know the world can see that Americans don't like each other very much. Yes, that and that um, who wants to be around people who don't like each other, right? Mm. Uh, uh, you know that's, that that can't be uh, good for the, for the for the country. But of the other uh, other stories in the top ten, uh, mm. France um, is now in 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 fifth place. Yep. Um, Germany, uh, sorry, Germany's number one. Japan. Uh, is number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada slips to number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything of significance in that movement? No, not really, because if you look at the score changes, they're not statistically significant. As as we know, uh, rankings can be a little bit misleading on their own. Um, the 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 difference between Japan and Canada is uh, is small. It's it's only it's only one percent. Um, so they're basically Japan and Canada are basically just jostling for second and third, and they'll we can expect them to swap backwards and forwards. Um, Italy's stable yes. at fourth, and that's worth a that's worth a call out because um, yes. Italy um, and France are both um, also examples of what you might call old fashioned admired countries. Um, they've been admired for an awfully long time, and for pretty much the same reasons um, for an awfully long time. It's the culture, it's the landscape, mm-hmm. it's the food. And I think the more turbulent the world becomes, uh, the more people uh, cling on to these apparently um, stable, peaceful, old-fashioned lifestyle brands, if I can diminish Italy and France mm-hmm. to that extent. You know, this feeling that if all you know about Italy and France is what you see on Netflix documentaries about regional cuisine, um, you could easily imagine that. <laughs> You know, it's still uh, 1973 in Europe and um, Italy and Britain. Yes. Uh, you know, they still. No, that's true. Well, you know, I, 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 I think that one of the things to be celebrated in this index is its usual boringness, and it's reassuring that Switzerland, Sweden, and Australia are are, are, are sort of stable and uh, 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 remain in people's minds as uh, um, re, you know. Re, re, reliably admirable places yeah um people, people, though, uh, you know a lot of australians would argue with that but yeah. uh yeah. um it, it's reassuring yes well pe- people just really don't want to let go of their nostalgic idea of a lot of these countries um that they they're not averse to punishing the u.s because it's so much a protagonist but but these other countries which are more like the the chorus in the opera, they just stand on the side and look decorative. People really, really don't want those countries to to, um, to look like the rest of the world. They don't want them to have modern problems. Um, they don't like the idea that Italy's got a refugee problem just like America's got a refugee problem. Well, a very different one, but you see what I mean, modern problems. 
Um, and yet, you know, find me a single country anywhere in the world that isn't suffering from the same set of modern problems. And what we see in the NBI is is people trying to come to grips with the fact that uh, um, that we're all we're all suffering from the same set of globalized problems, and we're all failing to tackle them roughly for the same reasons. Uh, well, look, here's here's some of the um, trends in the numbers that I, I was surprised by. I wonder if you could explain. Uh, and and one is um, desire to visit because mm. that had generally been going. Uh, going up, and then we see a big tail off in um, desire to visit other countries yes. this year. Why? Why would that happen? Uh, so many people I know are just delighted the pandemic is over, and uh, uh, you know seem anxious to get out and see the world again. What, why is there this trend um, a, against a desire to visit other places? I have a well. First of all, it may that that. Uh, desire as recorded in the NBI figures may well not play out in terms of actual visitor numbers. Um, this, is, this is not an intent to visit question. This is a question that simply says, um, if money were no object, would you like to visit this country? So it's not really, are you going to go on holiday this year? It's what's your feeling about traveling? And people's feeling about traveling is down, I think, mainly because of the sense of increased danger. Um, there's so much uh, conflict going on at the moment, and there are so many um, scary strongmen running countries around the world that I think that the, the feeling that many people are, are ending up with is that it's just safer to stay at home. You know, you, you can't turn on the TV news without seeing um, climate disasters, um, or rather weather disasters, um, people shooting each other on the streets in America, um, people being bombed to death in Ukraine, um, floods in Pakistan, and, and so on and so on and so on. And it's not really surprising if people are sort of thinking, you know what, I think I'll stay home this year. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so uh, other stories we've been tracking um, uh, over the the um, uh, course of these conversations, we, we've, we've talked a bit about uh, Middle East mm. uh, and the scores, uh, you know, for the Middle Eastern countries, we're really talking about countries in the 40s. Yes. Um, Israel is doing slightly better mm. um, this year and actually has an improved number. Yes. Uh, it's gone from 47 to 44. Mm -hmm. uh, UAE uh, is up one place from 45. No, it's down, isn't it? It's, it's down. gone from 45 to 46. Mm. Uh, so it's slipped slightly. Mm. Uh uh, and um, the, the, the biggest drop, I think, was Saudi Arabia, which has gone from 55 down to 57. So it's only one place above. It's in the place above uh, above Russia. Yeah. What did you see in those in those numbers? Qatar um, slightly up. Yeah. Uh, no, down 50 to 53. Um, it's down three places, but the, the the score hasn't dropped massively. It's dropped a little bit. Um, and, right. Um, that's um, almost certainly because of um, reporting about uh, all the negative stuff around the World Cup and the treatment of migrants and um, intolerance right. of, uh, of LBGTQ and so on and so forth. Um, yes. I, I, th these, are, these are all relatively small changes, so one has to be uh, careful not to, not to overinterpret. Um, and anyway, as we know, this is a quantitative study. It's, it's not 
particularly qual. So um, we can we can only presume and assume, but it's kind of fun to to try and do so. Um, certainly, Israel um, going from forty seventh to forty fourth. That's a result, and. Um, and I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if you've got any um, any notion of what might have caused that. That's that's really quite a significant improvement. Well, I think it's the Abram Accords so, uh, think, yeah. and the extent to which, yeah, Israel is. Uh, it takes a while for people to notice things, and if Israel is is less being spoken about as a country of conflict and is being included as a a, a country of peace, yep. um you know that that's that's better. Uh, it's got to be better. Mm. Uh, though it's interesting that their partners in the Abraham Accords haven't done uh, better as a as a result. No, indeed. Um, well, Saudi Arabia is um, is seldom out of the news, and uh, partly because of the way it behaves, and partly because of the way that the rest of the world tends to report on it, it's always negative. Um, Mm. Even the occasional good thing that comes out of Saudi Arabia tends to be uh, modified, um, either in the retelling or in people's interpretation of it, um, to, to be a negative. Um, and if it's something that sounds really good, um, then people just assume that it's not even true. Um, so, as I often say, this is the this is the problem with having a, a negative image that um, it distorts even the good stuff. And Saudi Arabia is plainly a victim of that. Um, it's a country that's um, that's seen purely through the prism of its of its problems and its and its and its behaviour. Um, and and you know, we, relevance to us is uh, or uh, you know is is formative. And part of the relevance of Saudi Arabia is oil prices and mm-hmm. energy availability. And you know, they're not really uh, helping much at the moment. <laughs> weren't at the time of the poll, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that's coming through here as well. It's possible. It's possible, although that's starting to get towards the technical. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that I don't respect the intelligence of our respondents. It's just that I've learned over the years how very, very little they care or know about or bother to learn or understand uh, about what other countries are actually doing. But I think that there, there probably is, yes, a bit of a sense that... Um, that uh, Saudi Arabia and oil is not a good combination at the moment. But uh, one of the things that gave me really gave uh, made me feel encouraged uh, looking at this was the improvement uh, for for Mexico. Mm. Uh, and you know, you and I have uh, b- both engaged with Mexico and care about the image of Mexico. And they've gone from thirty five to thirty one, mm. and their their um, cumulative score is. Uh, is um, slightly better too. So they're bucking the trend. Um, do you know what's happening for Mexico? Where did that? Where did this come from as a uh, as a uh, a, a change? Because it wasn't something we were particularly expecting. No, indeed, um, Mexico is one of those countries that I expect to be very, very stable, and it generally is. Um, I I really don't know. Um, I think we we need to look into that, and that it's always a it's always a bit of a a palaver. But we'd need to try and see where that increase in the score is coming from geographically. So mm-hmm. which, which panel countries is it um, that's that's pushing the score up? And which demographics within that panel country um, or those panel countries? And also in what areas? Is, is it the culture? Is it the business? Is it the landscape? Is it the politics? I doubt whether it's the politics. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, um, so, so the answer is simply that I don't know. But like you, I'm, I'm always glad to see Mexico going in the right direction because I've always felt that just as objectively as one can be about other countries, it really does deserve a better image than it's got, um, and more so than the majority of other countries. I mean, an awful lot of the countries in the mm-hmm. list of 60, you look at where they are and you look at how they move around a little bit from year to year. And if you're honest and sanguine about it, you have to say, yeah, I can see why. Mexico, it always feels unfair. Um, and I've always mm-hmm. felt, as you know, that this is at least partly, accidentally, deliberately, um, the fault of the USA, which for centuries mm-hmm. has had a habit of portraying Mexico as uh, poorer and more dangerous and more disorganized than it really is, um, simply because you know rich countries do that to their poorer neighbors and it makes them feel um, smarter. Mm-hmm. And, and Mexico's misfortune is that its neighbor has the loudest voice on the planet. So when the mm-hmm. USA has um, a nightmare about Mexico, the whole world wakes up screaming. Yes. No, absolutely. Um, I, I, looking down the list, I see that Peru has also improved. It's gone from 40 to 38 and has also got a, a, a higher cumulative score. So mm. it may be that there's a sort of a regional admiration that uh, happening that people are interested in um, yes. uh, Central and South America. Uh, who, who knows? Yeah, Brazil, Brazil has gone up a tiny bit. Argentina's in the same place. Um, Peru, as you say, Chile has gone down one place, but not a big difference in the score. Um, And so uh, it it may well be one of those strange sort of compensatory effects um, where uh, there's so much trouble in another region that people are just not really paying attention to to Latin America and consequently um, the the rose-tinted spectacles end up um, uh, coming back on again. Panama's up two places, uh, Dominican Republic more or less unchanged, uh, Ecuador up one place, Colombia down two. So it's a bit of a mixed picture, but it does, yeah, it does look as if quite a number of um, of uh, LATAM countries are are creeping up a little bit faster than the rest. Well, you know, Simon, as as we bring the season here to a conclusion, it's nice to go out with a little bit of controversy. And I, I noticed that Scotland has gone from number 17 to number 15. So with, uh, with the United Kingdom as a whole uh, settling back, yeah. it's nice to see that Scotland is, uh, is, is moving forward. And, and I hope people in London uh, take note of that, yes. um, that, uh, you know, uh, a good, a good, good show for Scotland. It may be this may be the early days of it beginning to carve out an independently viable image all of its own. Indeed, indeed. Well, nice to uh, uh, wrap things up with a a, a little bit of uh, of uh, provocation. Well, that's all we have time for this week and this season. Thank you so much for listening. I'm still Nick Cull, and I'm still Simon Anhold.